He said, I want you to go into all the world and bring the good news of my name. And that's why we're here. And that's why I'm inviting you to be a part of that as well. Uh, the situation in India is, is difficult for, for many people. Access to clean water, to health care, to uh, basic necessities of life is a, is a luxury for many. You could look all four different directions and you're gonna see a different need everywhere. So I feel like when we came, we kind of had to narrow down our focus. What is it that God has asked us to do? We've really made it our focus and our desire to see the gospel planted among Muslims who've yet to even hear who Jesus is. It is that same heartbeat. It doesn't really matter where you're at in the world. I mean, our objective and our goal as followers of Christ is, is the same, you know, it's to take on our communities, speak into the injustices, speak into the practices that need to change, and to breathe life and to bring hope and truth into those places. It's not often we part with that so deeply understands the work that goes on here. When you come here, you walk the streets with us, you You've eaten the meals with us. You've lived the life with us. I mean, so I feel like it's more than just someone writing a check or giving an offering. You guys are with us heart and soul. You really are partners with us in the gospel. It's not just words that we're bringing to people. It's about the demonstration of the gospel. I mean, it's it's good news, not just for the hereafter. It's, it's good news for the here and now too. And there's forgiveness available for them. And, and that's the good news that's making a difference in this community. In fact, that's why we do Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders is your way, my way, to be able to generously give to projects all around the world that are transforming lives. And so my hope is that you'll be generous and become a Kingdom Builder this year so that we can see lives being changed all around the world. Looking forward to, to what we have in store for today. We're kicking off a brand new series this morning uh, called Aliens. And so uh, we're not talking about aliens in space, but we are talking about aliens. So be ready. Buckle up. Grab your notebook. It's going to be an awesome, awesome day. My name is my name is Jairus. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church. And uh, if you're new, maybe if you just watched for the first time today, I would love to connect with you. And for the best way for that to happen is for you to text Life Church to 97000, and we'd love to connect with you that way. Now, I do have a couple things this morning that I wanted to update you on uh, if you're watching today. Um, and one of them is, uh, is our Cedar Rapids campus that my wife Abby and I have been preparing to launch. Um, we are really excited that we are launching September 13th in the Doubletree Convention Center. So mark your calendars, invite anybody you know who's living in, in Cedar Rapids to come and join us that week. Also, next Sunday, August 23rd, we are very excited that our Life Kids is gonna have full offerings, that our elementary room is gonna be open, so maybe you're at home and you're thinking, hey, I would love to come back to church. I would love to come and try and photobomb Jairus while he's doing this segment before service. And now you're thinking, hey, if I can bring my kids to Life Kids, then I have an opportunity to do that. So we'd love to have you to come. We'd love to see you on Sunday. Uh, Life Kids will be open for all ages um, in, through elementary. Sorry, not, not parents. You don't get to go to Life Kids. 
but we would love to see you back next week. We love an opportunity to get to worship with you together. Um, and today, I would encourage you this. Uh, as you're watching, I know it's been a crazy week. Be ready for God to move. Be ready to God to, for, to speak, to encourage you, to lift you up, and to have just to shift a perspective to say, God, would you do something in my heart right now? So we got about 15 seconds to service. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you meet us today? Uh, would you speak to our hearts? Would you lead us into a relationship with you like we haven't known before and in a, a whole new place of freedom? Jesus, we love you. Come on, let's worship. Well, hey, will you stand with me, Life Church? Welcome. Welcome. We're going to worship Jesus.
shout of praise this morning, huh? He's good. of what we thought 2020 would look like. And we need to hold on to the truth that there's resurrection life, there's resurrection power in us, amen?
name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Life Church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I look forward to that. Um, it's really true when I say it's really nice to see your eyeballs. I'm not trying to be weird. Thanks for spending this moment with us. If you're joining us online, you are just as valuable. Thank you for being here. Um, you know, it, it's true when I say I think I need to bury those expectations I have for what this year would look like and just hold on to those promises like the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. And that's exactly why we are here today. And, um, you know, for me, this next song is called Refiner. I heard it a couple weeks ago. In fact, Pastor Rich showed me this band. Everybody give it up for Pastor Rich here. There's not a musical bone in that man's body, but... Uh, so I heard this song and I was like, wow, this is a beautiful song, but it's a little scary song. I had a hard time singing this song. Not that it was like musically intricate or whatever, it was just, it was the words. It was, there was a prayer I was praying over my life. There was, there was a sacrifice I was needing to make as I was singing this song and, you know, clean my heart. God, search my heart, refine me, put me through the fire. My life is yours. Like this, this type of stuff. It's, it's a serious song. And so I would encourage you guys, as you're singing this, um, you know, God says, be holy as I am holy. And that may seem so far-fetched for us. Like, how can we even? But you know what? He would never say that if he didn't think it was possible. And so I would just encourage you guys, instead of, you know, trying to fight sin in your life and, and, and get down on yourself whenever you fall short or sin or you know, just repent. And you know what? Keep looking towards the one who is holy. I think that's the first step towards holiness. You know, it's not, it's not all on our shoulders. And so let's sing this song, Refiner. Altars where you meet us. Take me there, take me there. What you need is just an offering. It's right here, my life is here, and I'll be a living sacrifice for you. Your refiner, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire, purified, take whatever you desire, Lord is my life, I want to be tried by fire, purified, take whatever you desire. Lord, he is my life. If your glory wants to come here, let it fall. We want it all. Your fire is consuming. Fill this place, set it ablaze, and I'll be a living 
sacrifice for you the refiner the refiner I want to be consumed I want to be to run by fire purified take whatever you desire Lord is my life I want to be to run Purify my heart I wanna burn for you Only for you Take my life As a sacrifice I wanna burn for you Only Purify my heart. I wanna burn for you, only for you. Take my life as a sacrifice. I wanna burn for you, only clean my hands, clean my hands. Purify my heart. I want to burn for you, only for you. Oh, take my life as a sacrifice. I want to burn for you, only for you. I want to be tried by fire. You know, the thing is, is that this last week, um, man, has, has sure felt like a fire, right? It's been a hard week. And regardless of, of how much damage you actually have or, or what, what your yard looks like or your house looks like right now, I mean, it's just been, it's been weighty. It's been a weighty week. And what, what I find comes, like, in times like this is just, the enemy just discourages us. Just discourages us. 
it's been a, it's been a pretty discouraging year. <laughs> I've been calling 2020 the, the, the pressure cooker because it's like, he's, it's like, but he, what he's doing is, is, is God is refining us. He's refining us. He's doing something in us. And this morning, what I felt like I, I wanted to just share with you, I felt like I wanted to encourage you because this week has been a week. Those of you that are watching at, at home, maybe you're, you still don't have power, you still don't have AC, but, but you're watching with a little bit of phone battery you've got left, I want to encourage you. And it's crazy because th- this storm was, was, was ridiculous. Our three-year-old son, Judah, he, uh, he's always struggled with fear. From, from the time he was little, he's just he's been very, a very afraid kid. And so from, from a young age, we, we've, we begin to speak over his life, Joshua 1.9. We'd say, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We'd speak that over him. We'd pray that over him. And we went to Hobby Lobby and got a poster to put over his bed, right? Like, we're like, this, we want, we want to speak this over your life. And, and it's, it's crazy because he, he's learned it. He knows it now. You can go and, you can go and find him after church today and, he'll, and he can say it to you. But the thing is, is that when, when Abby was rushing the boys down to our basement the, on Monday, and Judah looks out the window and sees a tree fall down in the neighbor's yard, that it, it just it there, there's something that happens in him, and so you're terrified, and, and the storm is going on and on and on. You're hearing more sounds, and 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 what was crazy is that this is what what happened as, as Abby was down in the closet with with the boys. Is that Judah looked at her after about 20 minutes and said, he said, "Mommy, do you trust me?" <laughs> I don't know where, 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 where he got. He said, Mommy, do you trust me? And then he says, he says, I'm really brave, Mommy. And then from his mouth said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And, you know, I think that there's somebody here today, there's somebody watching right now that just needs to hear it. But he's saying to you, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be knocked down by this. But recognize that I go with you wherever you go. And you may not feel it. And you may not see it around you. But listen, he's doing something. He's working. And he's putting courage in us when we don't have it for ourselves. We feel like we've got to muster it up in times like this. That we've got to save ourselves. We've got to pull ourselves out of this. When he says, hey, I'm with you wherever you go. And so today, that's what I'm believing God is doing. Is he's saying, hey, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to lift up your, your soul. Don't be downcast. Don't be weary. Let me, let me walk with you and carry this a little bit. And we're going to leave this place full of courage. I felt like the word that for, for us was, was to be hope dealers right now. That there's, people are offering food, people are offering help, but we have to offer hope to those who are hopeless right now. So let's do this. This is what I'd like to do in just a moment. I'd like to pray, and I'd like to ask you to lift up your voice for those who are hurting right now. Lift up your voice for those who are struggling right now. And let's, let's ask God to speak courage and speak hope into our hearts. Come on. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, we just lift you, we just lift you up and say, thank you, God, that you're working in this. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving and you're changing. And Lord, I ask right now that you would speak courage, you would speak hope, you would speak life today. For those of us, Lord, that are, that it, we're, we're hitting the wall, where it's catching up to us. We, we just dealt with it all week and now it's hitting us. Lord, I pray for your own peace, your own courage, your own healing. 
And Lord, I pray that you would fill us up so that we can walk out of this space and speak divine hope, divine healing, and, and peace to people who are needing it right now. People are hungry for something and they don't know what. So Lord, I pray that you would use us to be hope dealers, to be hope dealers in our community, in our families, and those around us, to see opportunities and to respond to those who need something, something bigger, something more. Lord, encourage us today. Lift us up. Go with us wherever we go. And in Jesus' name, and everybody said, come on, everybody said, come on. Can we just begin to praise him, just begin to thank him even now? We're going to praise in the middle of this storm, believing he's in control, right? Come on. Well, this is about the time where, where I'm like, hey, give somebody a high five or something. But just air five, wave at somebody across the room, say hi, introduce yourself, tell them, hey, God's good. He's got this. If you're, an, if you're an extrovert like me, you are, uh, you are missing the, the hugging that ha- would normally happen in that time. And, uh, and it, is, uh, it is killing me. So that's why I'm up here to, vo- to give space so I don't actually hug you. Um, but we love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Those of you who are, who are online, um, wherever you're at, wherever you're watching from, let us know how, how you're doing. Um, but we're so thankful that you're still able to join us. And um, maybe actually some of you are joining for the first time today, whether on, in line or in, in person. And, and we just want to say, hey, we want to connect with you. You've actually got cards in front of your seat in the seat backs that have just a connection card where you can fill out and take that to the Welcome Center. And they want to hook you up with just a free gift. As well as you can, uh, you can do that online. You can text Life Church to 97000 uh, and we'll connect with you that way. But uh, I think that in this time, uh, we... We recognize that our hope is found in Jesus, right? And we need people in our lives who will remind us that hope is found in Jesus. And so if you don't have people, connect, uh, and we'd love to connect with you through that. Now, there's a couple things today that I wanted to, to fill you in on. Uh, some, some things maybe you've been waiting to hear about, new, news and stuff like that. But uh, if we haven't met, my name is Jairus, and I'm one of the pastors here. And, and my wife and I have been preparing to launch uh, our Cedar Rapids campus starting September 13th. And I wanted to show you this real quick. We're going to be meeting in the Doubletree Convention Center starting September 13th at 10.30. And here's what I would say. Invite every person you know uh, that, that would be that is in the area that is looking for a church home. Just yesterday, we were walking around. We were handing out hot dogs to people. And, and Abby just got to have a, a conversation where she was talking to somebody and she was asking about Abby. And she said, yeah, well, we have this church opening September 13th. And she said, hey, uh, here's my number. Would you call me? Would you get me plugged into that? And people are hungry for something. And so we're excited about offering another, another opportunity for people to get to be a part of that and, uh, and be a part of our family. And then the other thing about it, and I think a, a lot of you parents are probably, this is what you've been waiting to hear, is that starting next Sunday, August 23rd, Life Kids is going to have full offerings. We're going to have all of our classrooms open. So, and all the parents said, amen. <laughs> and so elementary classroom is going to be open. So if you've got elementary students or you have friends that are maybe still watching at home, those of you who are watching at home, maybe you've been waiting uh, for, for that to happen so that you can bring your kids to church and, and that they won't uh, have to sit in here and, and, and not be able to stay focused. So um, we'd love to have you back. We'd love to have you come and be a part of Life Kids. Uh, the team is working really hard. Can we just give it up for everybody in Life Kids right now who's working really hard to keep it safe, keep it life-giving? Because kids need it. Kids are, they're, they're, our kids are, are struggling to ease back into it, um, but we're believing that, that they, they need to be, that there's people there that love on them and are encouraging them through this time as well. And so we're really thankful for Life Kids. Um, so that'll be back next week. 
Uh, now, at this point, we're going to go ahead and we're going uh, to receive the, the tithes and offering. And uh, normally what we do at this time is a, is a bucket would pass by, but we're not going to be doing that. Uh, if you've got an envelope in the front of your seat that you want to give, you can do that in the black boxes, either in the back of the room or in the lobby. Um, but this is what we've seen. Through the last several months, we have seen that generosity is contagious. We've seen that, that as, as, we, as people would give and support those who are struggling uh, with, with, with work or, or other things, that, that it's contagious and other people get involved. We've seen that this last week as, as people are needing help, as, as even our own home in Cedar Rapids had trees down everywhere, that as one neighbor would come, another neighbor would come and start joining and start helping. It, it's contagious. And this last week we said, hey, hey as a church, we, people were asking, hey, how can we help? What, what can we do to support and, and, and give that? And so we started just a, a simple relief fund uh, that you can, you can donate to, and we're, and we're essentially dispersing funds. Yesterday, Abby and I had the opportunity to, to deliver actually some gift cards for groceries to people. Uh, we just got to, because there was funds there, we got to go and just hand out uh, gift cards to people. And so um, thank you for those of you who, already, who have already been a part of that. And if you didn't know, you can, you can do that by giving uh, online at lifechurchnow.org in our give tab. Uh, the tab is just Storm Relief Fund. If you go to the giving page, it's Storm Relief Fund, and you can support any way that you can through that. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you for those of you who have been jumping in and getting involved and helping for those who are, who are struggling from this disaster. Um, and recognize that, uh, that as you're generous, as you give your time, your resources, uh, just, you know, your, your energy, that it's contagious. And as we all jump in together, that we're going to see... Uh, see healing happen in, in, in our community. We're going to see a lot of things happen. So thank you so much. Uh, let's pray, and then we can, we can do that. So, Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that, that, that you are, that you're good, Lord, that you're working. And Lord, I pray that you would, I, I thank you for those who have been so generous in this time uh, to help those who are in need. Lord, I pray that you would, you would multiply our efforts. Lord, I pray that, that you would, that as we, you would give us the, the eyes to see people who need it and we could just extend a helping hand to those who are, are needing stuff. And so, Lord, uh, be with us, bless us, and um, I pray for, the, for that you would just do a work in this time. We're, we're so much uncertainty, God, would you do what only you can do. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Jairus. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's doing relatively okay based on the events of this past week. Um, those of you watching online, we hope that you are safe and well as well. Um, you know, honestly, this has been a, uh, it, uh, to say the least, it's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy, I'm not saying anything new to anybody here. Everybody knows this. Uh, you've, I'm sure some of you have experienced this in a very real way. Um, there's, besides the storm, there's been other events that have happened that have been very uh, tragic and very difficult. And so there are a lot of people that are hurting right now. But I have to tell you, I'm really proud of this church. I'm proud of the body of Christ in general, really, because uh, this is where the church shines during tragedy, during challenges, during difficulty of the church. And you have shown brightly, and I'm so, so thankful. I said in the first, I was super proud to be the pastor of this church. Um, got to go out, uh, yeah, well, I've been several days this week helping. In fact, I'm standing up here, my back hurts a lot because I've been doing more manual labor than I normally do, <laughs> which is none, <laughs> really. And so, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, but, I, but, but just going out and people in this church who have said, just on their own, you know, yesterday we, were, we gave out 30, 30 pizzas or 36 pizzas, three dozen pizzas were given out, given away, and not the pizzas, but people in the park at Green Square Park and uh, next to the library, 
Uh, we were handing out slices of pizza and drinks and all kinds of cereal and baby uh, formula and all that kind of stuff was being given out. We delivered pizza to, uh, to Jairus and Abby who were working on, they just, man, they just went, made, went up to a random house and said, hey, can we set up here? And they set up a generator there and uh, pulled out some chainsaws and they put up a barbecue and started grilling hot dogs and, and cutting down a tree and tearing, you know, clearing a yard there in Cedar Rapids on 16th, was it 16th and something? And, um, and then uh, delivered pizza to the, some people at Budget Inn on the south, you know, Cedar Rapids. It's kind of confusing. Southwest, I think. Uh, in Cedar Rapids, Budget Inn, and delivered some pizzas up there to some people that were, that basically it was a, they lost their roof completely. And so they're just sitting outside. And it's amazing how the body of Christ and just humanity rises up during times like these. And so, so thankful for all of you. We can continue that work, actually. There, the need is, is great. The needs are vast. And, uh, and so, if you have time this week, if you'd like to take time off of work and just go help clear a yard, deliver some food, whatever it might be, there's, every little bit helps. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're starting a series uh, called Aliens today. And, uh, you know, I'm watching online, I noticed, uh, I, I saw a comment here, We're, people are watching from, there's a lot of people watching online right now, uh, Jorge and Maria from, that's Diego's parents, he's out there running sound, they're from, Argent, they're in Argentina right now watching online, buenos dias, buenas tardes, no sé what time it is over there, I think it's morning, las dos, son las dos, buenas tardes, in Argentina. Jorge and Maria are watching. So we're seeing this all over the place. People are watching. We're starting a series today called Aliens. And, um, and be honest here, at the very beginning of the series, at the very beginning of this week, I, I, I was already getting prepared to, to, to do this message and start this series. Um, and then I started feeling a little bit, you know, like, man, should I just scrap this message and, you know, preach a message of encouragement? You know, so much struggle, so much suffering going on. In 2020, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me so clearly that this is the appropriate message that we need to hear today. Because God is speaking to us as a church. We are aliens, we're just passing through. I think part of our problem sometimes is that we're a little bit too stuck to this, this thing called this world. And uh, I think God wants to speak to us through this message. In 2015, there was uh, a middle school in Kansas City. A, one of the middle schoolers, one of the students there, began to pass out a flyer inviting other students to a see you at the poll event. It was just a before school kind of event where they would invite other, other students to come and, and pray, pray for the school, pray for the city, pray for the community, pray for leaders, pray for the teachers, pray for other students. And so they, this, this middle schooler, she made a bunch of flyers and she was going out through the school handing them out and was stopped by the administration that she could not hand those out. The reason that they gave was that there was too many references to Jesus on the flyer and that this was infringing upon the constitutional rights of other students. And so that got stopped. The article I was reading went on to, to uh, give examples of other flyers that did not, did not get, that still were allowed. A uh, flyer promoting a little, little Wayne, little, little, obviously I don't know, Lil, how do you say Lil? Lil, Lil Wayne uh, concert. <laughs> 
and uh, the, 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 uh, the caption said, good kush and alcohol. And that flyer was stuck to the wall next to the boys' locker room for six months. It didn't come down. And so Lil Wayne is good, but Jesus is bad. Let's not, let's not put Jesus up there. And there's a lot of stories like this. It's not hard to find. Many instances of students, that, of college students or, or graduate students who are just implicitly or explicitly told that their values, their faith values, their religion, is, there's no place for it in their academics. And so if they're writing papers, if they're doing research, that this is not a, you can't use your values or your faith to support any kind of, any kind of research because there is no, there's no place for it. This is happening on and on and on around the world that we live in. Now, I'm not here to tell you, I'm not up here, you know me enough to know that I'm not up here to bash the world out there, not at all. I'm actually here to speak to Christians on how do we respond to that? How do we live in a world like this? This is happening increasingly in our world. Christianity is clearly being pushed to the margins of our society. It's being, it's being pushed out in many ways. And I get it. Sometimes there's valid reasons why people feel the way they feel. But it's being pushed out. And for those of us who love Jesus, who have a love relationship with Jesus Christ, how do we respond to that? How do we live in this world what seems to be kind of a hostile culture? In 1993, my wife, Christy, sitting in the back there with our three little boys at that time. They had a four-year-old and a two-year-old and a four-month-old. We boarded a plane in DFW Airport, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, and we embarked on a journey, a missionary journey. We were going to be missionaries in Bangladesh. For, we were there for eight years. And we got on a plane, flew off to Bangladesh. It took us two days to get there. Two days later, we landed at Zia International Airport. And when we landed at the airport, as soon as we got off the plane, all of our senses were assaulted. Like from the smell. The immediate thing was there was this thickness in the air, wood fires burning and maybe some trash burning. And it's just a, a smell we, were never familiar, we had never smelled before. It was unfamiliar to us. It just assaulted our senses. The language that was spoken, we didn't know but Bengali, and so we, we just didn't know what was going on. We were just a little bit confused. We saw signs that were not in English, they were in Bengali, and we, which is a script language. We didn't know what was, what, what, anything about being there in Bangladesh. And so as we're walking in, there was two basic instincts that sort of took over. The first basic instinct was stick together. Stick together. Because... You don't know, you know, these kids, they might, uh, you know, if they wander off and we're this crazy place and, you know, they don't speak the language and, we, you know, we, what, you know, these were the familiar faces. We needed to stick together. So let's stick together. That was one of the basic instincts that sort of took over. The second basic instinct was keep your passport safe. The passport was proof that we were in the country. Proof of who we are. Like if they came up to me and I say, they say, hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing? I would be able to pull my passport and say, I am Richard Green. I'm an American citizen. I was born on this day. I grew up in this country. I, I, I was born in the country of Panama. I, you know, all, all the particulars of my life were in that passport. So it was important for me to keep my passport safe because it was kind of my identity in this country where I was suddenly an alien, a foreigner. As I was preparing for this message, I realized that 
that some of the things that we have to look out for when we're traveling abroad are some of the things that we now in Western society need to be looking out for as we try to navigate our Western culture as followers of Jesus Christ, a culture that's becoming increasingly hostile towards Christianity. In fact, this is a metaphor that we clearly see in 1 Peter. Peter's speaking to the church, and he's clearly speaking this out, right? That we are foreigners. We're aliens. We're in a strange land. And Peter helps us identify with that. He helps us identify ourselves as aliens. So for the next four weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. And the big idea is, again, like I said, I'm not up here to point fingers outside of these four walls and say, look how bad they all are out there. The purpose of this whole series is to call us as the followers of Jesus Christ and for us to ask the question, what does it look like? What does it look like for a follower of Jesus Christ to live in this world? How do we live in this world? The longer I live, the more I realize that what Peter's talking about is especially relevant for us today. This is clearly true in the political climate that we find ourselves in. Be honest with you, I cringe as I watch social media, especially people that I know, (laughs) that I'm in relationship on social media, and an issue pops up on social media, and I'm like, please, 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 don't respond to that. Don't, don't, don't respond to that. Oh, you did. (laughs) So, Peter's writing to some Christians who are experiencing persecution, serious persecution, and it's just getting started for them. You see, they're being marginalized, they're being persecuted, and now Nero has become the emperor of the Roman Empire. And just read a little bit about Nero, you'll discover that he very intensely persecuted Christians for being Christians. It's just going to get really, really bad for them. His audience, these Christians are facing this uncertain future. They've been arrested, they've been ostracized. Some of them have, you know, lost their jobs, they've lost their properties, others have lost their, their life, they've been beheaded. They're being persecuted. And so Peter's words here are very, very relevant for them and for us. And so as I talk about persecution, I think sometimes we, there's varying degrees of it, right? And we don't really have a good grasp of what persecution means or what it really looks like. Uh, if you've grown up outside of the United States and you've seen, you know, like, like we were in a country like Bangladesh, where it's an Islamic country for the most part, Christians live under a different sense, there's a different level of fear that they have about being Christians in this country. Uh, and it wasn't really inc- incredible persecution there, although it did happen. That's, I think it's important for us to understand persecution. There's a, a priest by the name of uh, Monsignor Charles Pope. He was... Uh, uh, in Washington, D.C., and he kind of writes about persecution. He talks about the stages of religious persecution, and you'll get to identify with So I'm going to go through these really quick, and then we're going to get into First Peter. What, what Monsignor uh, Pope says, he says that it starts by stereotyping. That's how persecution really begins. It starts by stereotyping. This is a description of a few that's used to describe the whole, right? That's uh, stereotyping, right? Or so, so... You might say they're hypocrites, or you might say they're repressed, or they're angry, or they're judgmental. And so there's a stereotype that may be true for a few people that you know, but suddenly it gets 
superimposed on the whole. Everybody is that way. They're all that way. So there's a stereotyping that starts. And then that moves on to this next level of stage of persecution, which would be vilifying, where Christians don't line up with what is culturally accepted in that world. And so um, they are, you know, they talk about them and they, and they describe them as people who are robbing others of their dignity. And so other words are used to basically categorize them by, and vilifying them. They're, they're closed-minded. They're intolerant. They're bigoted. They're homophobic. And all of these words get used and essentially superimposed on the whole. And really vilifying is just a way to kind of justify my own intolerance of that group over there. There's a group over there I don't like. And so... If I categorize them in this particular category, then I'm justified in being able to categorize them. I'm vilifying them, right? That moves on to marginalization or marginalizing them. That's where what we're seeing more about more these days, that after, after establishing that Christians are the enemy, they're wrong, then we, then we move them to the margins of society. We say things like, it's okay for you to worship in your church services, it's okay, there's freedom of religion here in America. It's okay for you to worship in your church services, but stay in your church services, in your church buildings. There's no place for your faith in the marketplace. There's no place for your faith in the public square. There's no place for your faith in business. There's no place for your faith in academics. There's no place for your faith. So is this me doing that? Sorry, guys. Um, in the media, in so many other places, there's no place for your faith. So you get margins, you get pushed to the side. It's just unacceptable to talk about Jesus in some kind of public way. And then that moves to criminalizing. This is where legislation or lawsuits are brought against those, of those people who have a particular faith and want to exercise their faith, want to live their faith out, but they're told they can't do that. So they're criminalized. And then that results in persecution. This is five levels of, five stages of persecution the degrees of which persecution happen vary widely. It could be heavy fines. It could be fined for, for the beliefs that you have, all the way up to loss of property, incarceration, even death. In the 80s, I had a pamphlet with me of a pastor, Iranian pastor, Iranian pastor, uh, Mehdi Dibaj, who uh, the pamphlet I had was basically his public testimony in court of why he had chosen to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He had been a Muslim, born a Muslim, but then he converted to Christianity or became a follower of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and then he was accused of, of being a heretic or not a heretic, whatever it is. The accusation was that he left his faith. And so he publicly testified in court the reasons why he was a follower of Jesus Christ. Very powerful, very powerful testimony. And then two days later, he was executed. So this stuff happens today, by the way, just so you don't think that, oh, that's just archaic stuff from the past. It's happening today. We just maybe not, not experiencing it. So the question is, as you see these stages of persecution, question is, how do Christians respond in a world where it feels like this is happening? I mean, obviously, we're not being criminalized yet. We're not being persecuted yet or any of that. Cause, you know, there might be some marginalization happening, but how do we respond to that? when we're the minority? Well, the tendency is to get discouraged, defeated, demoralized. 
wondering why, why, why is this happening? And what I want to challenge you with is actually this is an incredible opportunity. It's an opportunity for the gospel to move forward. It's an opportunity for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ to truly live out our faith in such a way that that it's compelling to those that are watching. It's an opportunity for the gospel to thrive. Now, you might be wondering, how is that possible? How can that be? How how can persecution result in this? Well, let me give you a quick story of that. Uh, In Ethiopia early 80s, in the mid-70s, mid late-70s, Ethiopia became a communist government. And then slowly they began to uh, kind of, you know, basically make everybody communist in the country. In 1982, there was a church by the, called, by, by the, name, by the name of Meserite Christos Church of Ethiopia. They were the, uh, the Mennonites church in Ethiopia. In 1982, they were about 5,000 in attendance in the, the whole country of Ethiopia. In 1982, the government decided that Christianity was no longer a legal religion in the country, so they, they took possession of all the church properties in Ethiopia. If you were a pastor and you resisted what they were saying or what they were doing, you were arrested. And so overnight, Christians lost their church buildings, lost most of their leadership, You would think, if you hear that, you would think, certainly that church must have just died. It fell apart. It went away. Not at all. Ten years later, the Meserite Christos Church of Ethiopia, without church buildings, with most of their leadership incarcerated, numbered 50,000 in attendance, mostly meeting in homes. It flourished. The church flourished under persecution. Because what happens is this shaking begins to rattle us. And we come to terms with the reality of what really is our faith. What really is the stuff that we're standing on? What is our solid ground here? And we come to terms with that. And our faith gets deepened and becomes more solid. So historically, Christianity, when, when it's carried the mantle of power historically, it's not flourished. When 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 Christianity has been in power, when I mean by power is like having places of authority and influence, core values of the kingdom of God, it's hard to, it's hard to talk about the core values of the kingdom of God like, like love and grace and forgiveness because we resort to legislating all of those things instead of actually letting them be. So Peter, Peter wants to talk to us about this. He understands that these Christians that he's talking to are facing incredible persecution. Incredible persecution. Some of them are going to die for their faith. And so Peter begins his letter in this way. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he says, To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout. To God's elect. He uses words here, very important words. You see, Peter is going to talk to them about how they're living, but before he does that, he's going to talk about who they are. He uses identity words here. They're elect. They're God's chosen people. Your translation might say God's chosen people. You see, what Peter's going to do is he's going to say, he's first going to talk about who they are because the truth is behavior, we want, sometimes all we see is behavior. Behavior must flow from identity. Who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ determines how you live your life. The term is how you walk out your faith. 
And so Peter understands that clearly. And so he starts out his letter and says, hey, to those that are elect, those chosen ones out there, see, if you try to tell somebody how to live and, and behave and it doesn't really flow from who they are, it just doesn't work. And you know that if you've ever been a parent with teenagers, okay, none of you, just me, I guess. Um, anyways, a parent with teenagers, right? And you try to legislate how they should live. And it doesn't really flow from who they are on the inside. You're just fighting a battle. Right? So Peter understands that before telling these Christians how they should live, he reminds them of who's, who they are. He says, you're God's elect. You're God's chosen ones. You've been picked by God. You've been chosen by God. And the tendency for us is when we're suffering is that we... We ask questions when a pandemic strikes or when a storm hits and destroys our house. We ask questions like, God, where are you? God, do you not see where I'm at? Do you not see what I'm, what, what I'm going through? Do you even care, God? And Peter knows this. He knows that there are going to be Christians saying the same thing as their loved ones are being burned at the stake, being used as fuel for Nero's gardens. And so he reminds them of who they are. They're God's elect. He used another word. The word exiles literally means someone passing through, a stranger, a foreigner, an alien. That's the title of our series, Aliens. This is, the idea is this is not your home. You're just passing through, right? So Peter's saying this in the context of suffering. So if any of you suffering, those of you watching online, are you suffering? Remember, we're just passing through. We're just passing through. We're foreigners, we're sojourners, we're aliens just passing through. Then in verse 3 and 4, he reminds them of their true home. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I like how he says living hope and not just a hope. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance you and I have an inheritance, followers of Jesus, we have an inheritance, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. He's speaking of this living hope that we have, this inheritance that we have that will not spoil, can't be tainted. It's not going to go away. It's not going to disappear. It's solid. It's forever. And so Peter's going to challenge these Christians about how they should live. But again, he's reminding them of who they are. He's reminding them that they're just passing through. He's letting them know that their behavior must flow from their identity, right? Who they are in Christ. When we know where our true home is, we can live with a sense of like, like freedom. We're not down. We're not beat up. So just remember, Peter says, when things get tough around here and you're starting to feel a little bit homesick, remember that you're only passing through. You're only passing through. This is not your home. He's that word kept for us. It's inheritance kept for us. That word can be translated uh, reserved for us. It's like six years ago, I think, Christy and I and my daughter, Caitlin, we went down to Orlando for, um, for like vacation. 
And, uh, you know, we didn't go to Disney World. My daughter was into, you know, space and Cape Canaveral and NASA and all that stuff. So we went to Cape Canaveral instead. And, uh, you know, she was six years old. She was into all of that. Today she's a second lieutenant in the Air Force and she wants to go into space. So that's, you know, that's her life. That's what she wants. Anyways, we were there. We landed at the airport. I went to the, where the rental cars are. It's a huge place. If you've ever, you know, most of us, you've been to Orlando, you know how it is. You go in, there's all these rental places, you know, like entire building for just rental cars. And so we're, we're, we're walking in there and I go stand in line of this rental car company to get my car that I've, you know, that I have. And there's a guy standing at the counter and he's just arguing with the, with the attendant, you know. And the attendant, and, and he's like demanding, like putting his fist down on the table. I need my car. You've got to get me a car, you know. And, and she's saying, but sir, you don't have a reservation. And there's, a, all our cars are already, re, you know, taken up. You don't have a reservation. And he's just punching his fist down and he starts saying things like, I'm a, I'm a powerful man. I'm going to use my influence to take down this company. It's Alamo rental car, by the way. I'm going to take down this company. So I'm back there with my arms crossed, just kind of laughing a little bit, you know, funny. That was entertaining. And it was free entertainment. We're in Orlando, so free entertainment is good, right? So I'm just sat there laughing because this guy's just, he's like, he's going to take down Alamo because he didn't get a car, you know. And so finally he leaves the counter and he, and he goes without a vehicle. I walk up. And I'm, as I'm walking up, you know, I'm smiling at the lady. I'm not worried. I'm not upset. I'm not concerned. I'm not walking up with fear. Where's my car? You know why? Because I had a reservation. I had a reservation. And that changed my attitude about the whole situation. I had a reservation. I think this is what Peter is trying to convey here. That we have a reservation in heaven. That you and I, if you're followers of Jesus Christ, you have an inheritance that has been reserved for you. It cannot be lost. And if you understand that, it will help you in how you respond in this world that we live in. When bad things happen, when trouble comes our way, when people talk against you, when, when you suffer, when, you, when, you, when your house gets blown away by a storm, when a pandemic hits... Because you know that this is not your home, that you actually are just passing through. It affects you. You have a reservation. Jesus said to his followers, don't let your hearts be troubled. I've gone to prepare a place for you. He says, don't get all freaked out. <laughs> don't get all worried and upset and worked up because of whatever's happening in your life. I have prepared a place for you, Jesus says. And then starting verse 6, uh, Peter kind of tells us what this hope is how this hope should translate into Christian joy. He says, verse 6, so be truly glad. The fact that you are his chosen ones, the fact that, that you're just an alien passing through, that this is not really your home. He says, be truly glad. Be truly glad. Okay. You might hear me like, yeah, Rich, you're just talking and talking and talking. I'm not following you. Peter is talking to some people that are suffering. Is that what you say to somebody who's really suffering? Be truly glad? Be truly glad. There, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. It reminds them that these trials are just temporary. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and, pur tests and, purif and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, 
We sang that song, Refiner. That's what it's talking about. That we're tried by fire, right? So what happens to gold when it gets, gets placed under fire? It gets purified. It's tested and purified. In fact, fire is an opportunity for gold to become better. Now, we don't ask for fire, do we? I don't. I don't. I don't pray in the morning, God, just let there be persecution in my life today. I don't do that. I don't ask for it. It comes. But I think what Peter's trying to say here is that we have to have a certain attitude towards it. That really the fire that we're experiencing, fire gives Christians an opportunity to shine more brightly. To shine for Jesus Christ. That when fire comes our way, that what needs to come out of that fire is they see an unusual joy. An unusual peace. An unusual kind of way of talking that when they see it, say, hey, we're all going through this. How is it that you're living this way? Well, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is not my home. I'm just passing through. Verse 7. So when your faith remains strong through many trials that is being tried by fire, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Peter reminds them that there's a day coming when Jesus will return, that we are not of this world, that Jesus is coming back. Our hope is actually in heaven. Your hope is not in government. It's not in being popular or well-liked. Your hope is in heaven. So be truly glad. I remember um, a few years ago we went on a missions trip to Haiti. And Haiti is one of those countries where the, you know, the... It's just, it's, it's, a, it's, a hard, it's, it's a hard place. I mean, you know, it's a difficult country. I mean, the people are beautiful people, lovely people, but the infrastructure in Haiti is very difficult, right? It's hard to do missions there. It's, it's a real challenge to, to do missions in Haiti. And I remember we went to, to um, a large group, went to, went to Haiti, and there was a lot of things that were uncomfortable about Haiti, like, you know, not, not enough water pressure in the shower, <laughs> You ever try to take a shower like that? You turn the thing on, it's like it's just dripping, and you're like, never mind, <laughs> you know? So you don't take a shower. <laughs> uh, and, and the toilets didn't really function well, you know? And that, anyways, I don't want to get gross on that, but the to toilets didn't function well. The air conditioning units, we had, believe it or not, the luxury of our trip was that we had air conditioning in our, in our hotel rooms. The downside of that is that electricity was not reliable, and so the units that they had installed were these split, split air conditioning units, you know, where the, the thing's up there and it's blowing air out. Um, but, and they were, because they were way up high, they were remote control operated. And, you know, the brilliance of the management of this hotel was we got to save on remote controls. So they had one remote control for like five bedrooms, for five, five different rooms. So at 3 o'clock in the morning when the power went out and the air conditioning unit turned off, and then when the power came back on, the air conditioning unit would not come back on. You needed the remote. And so you'd see us, you know, in our shorts kind of scurrying around, knocking on doors, saying, hey, do you have the remote? Do you have, until we finally find the remote so we could turn the air conditioner on. Because it's like 100 degrees, you know, like a sauna in our bedrooms, you know. So these things happened, you know, it wasn't, there was, it was uncomfortable to some extent. We had some funky driving going on, you know, and a lot of near misses. And we'd laugh about some of these near misses, near misses. We ate noodles for breakfast every morning, <laughs> noodles and, and pineapple. That was our breakfast. 
And, and you know, the noodles were kind of dry. And so we, one day we said, well, you know, it would be nice if we had something different than noodles. And so they brought us noodles, pineapples, and like a spicy ketchup <laughs> to put on our noodles. <laughs> and so that's what we had for breakfast every morning. We were coming back. We're, towards the end of the trip, we're coming down the stairs, you know, to... Uh, to, for breakfast, it was in the courtyard, we're coming down the stairs, and somebody in our team, Sarah Bell, jokes, said, hey, do you think, she's being sarcastic, do you think uh, we're going to have noodles for breakfast today? And uh, we laughed, <laughs> it was all funny, and then we got there, and sure enough, we had noodles for breakfast again. That was our send-off meal, noodles and pineapple. Um, the pineapple was amazing, though, and I won't say that. But you might wonder, why, why were we laughing about all of that? Why was it just, I mean, it was hard at times, but why were we snickering about it, laughing about it? Well, because Haiti is not my home. I knew that in just a few days, I'd be getting on an airplane, landing here in Cedar Rapids and going to my house where the air conditioning would be functioning well, where I would have enough water pressure in my shower to take a shower, where I wouldn't be worried about the toilet where I get to eat the kind of food that I, that I want to eat. And see, this realization made all the difference in the world for me. Now, Christian, this world is not your home. This world is not your home. I think our problem is that we get kind of stuck to the world. Now, I'm not denouncing things, particularly things. I'm just saying sometimes we just have a lot of confidence in this world. And when it gets shaken and taken away from us and whatever happens, we, we get worried and frustrated. And I think what Peter's trying to tell us is, hey, we're just aliens. We're just passing through. This world is not your home. I think a beautiful example of this, of this is found in Acts chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas, they've, they, you know, they've just been sent off as missionaries. They land in this place called Pisidian Antioch, and, they, and they're going to preach the gospel, you know, the, the message of Jesus Christ, the way of Jesus. And so they land in Pisidian Antioch, and the first thing they do is they go straight to the synagogue, and they start preaching in the synagogue. Long sermon, Acts 13, you can read it. Paul preaches this sermon, and, and then he gets kicked out of, the, out of the synagogue, you know, and it says in verse, in verse 45 that they begin to heap abuse on them. They're persecuted. They're demeaned. They're made light of. They're, they're called names. They heaped abuse on them. Paul and Barnabas, they don't react. They don't get right back, go right back at them in their face and point fingers at them. They don't do any of that stuff. Instead, I, like, I love what it says in verse 51. It says, they shook the dust off their feet. They shook the dust off their feet. Listen to how the message puts it. Paul and Barnabas shrugged their shoulders, like, hmm, oh well. Shrugged their shoulders and went on to the next town, Iconium, brimming with joy and the Holy Spirit, two happy disciples. Really? I mean, Paul, Barnes, you've just been, you've been persecuted. You've just been kicked out of, of this town, Pisidian Antioch. You've just been booted out and maligned and mistreated. Shouldn't you, shouldn't you call your congressman? Shouldn't you like, get on Facebook and rant a little bit about it? I didn't say that. They just shrugged their shoulders and went on to the next town, full of joy full of joy and full of the Holy Spirit. So the question for you and I, 
How are you going to respond when it feels like your faith and your values are being challenged? How does a follower of Jesus Christ respond? Well, it begins with a right heart. It begins with a right attitude. You're homesick, yes. You're just passing through your homesick, but you're happy. Because this is not your home. This is not your home, right? I mean, the world that we live in, true, it's broken. The world we live in, things happen that do not make me happy. People live certain ways and act certain ways. Even Christians sometimes, or people who call themselves Christians, act certain ways that just really bug me. This is not my home, and I don't need to get swallowed up in that. Just passing through. And it makes all the difference in the world for me. So we're happy. We're happy because we're only here for a short time. We're just passing through, right? It can't be robbed. Our inheritance cannot be robbed. I mean, I think we must look awfully shallow when they see us worshiping, raising our hands to God and worshiping him. They see us saying we believe the Bible, but then when a pandemic strikes, we just go crazy as if, as if the world has come to an end. I'm telling you, in this world, you're going to suffer. Jesus promises it. You will suffer. And we don't like hearing that, and I don't want that to happen to you, but you will question is, how are you going to respond to it? How are you going to act as a follower of Jesus Christ? So here's a core question. Where is your hope? What are you standing on? What is the foundation of your life? That's really the question that needs to be asked. Let's not be Christians whose hope seems to rise and fall with every single election. Election's coming up, and I've already been hearing it. My hope is not in any one of those candidates. It's in Jesus Christ alone. In Jesus Christ alone. Let's not be Christians who, you know, put our faith in in the Supreme Court more than we do in a supreme being. Let's not be those kind of Christians that feel like we need to figure out how to get the right congressmen and the right politicians in there to legislate the morality that we want. Because I've discovered that that doesn't work either. The only thing that actually works in changing a person's heart is Jesus Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ. He takes the darkest heart and he makes it right. And that's really what we need to be hoping for. Let's be those kind of Christians who respond to that stuff. So who you are is important. You're chosen by God. Recognizing that you're just passing through. This is, we're aliens. We're all aliens. Now, you might have U.S. citizenship. We might have some here that have a Congo citizenship or had a Congo citizenship. We might have some in here that have, you know, I used to be a Panamanian citizen. Others might have other citizenships. That's all true. But you know what? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, every single one of us are an alien. Because this world is not my home. And not because I'm thinking of some pie-in-the-sky kind of place I want to go to. I have hopes and dreams for what that might look like. That's irrelevant right now. This place is not my home. And since I'm navigating through this place, I need to learn how to navigate 
as one who's totally sold out to Jesus Christ and recognizing that this place is not my home and that I'm one of God's chosen ones. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. I wrote in big, bold letters on my notes here. Remember who you are. Sometimes I'm, I guess I'll be honest, I'm confessing. I'm a little bit voyeuristic sometimes when it comes to Facebook. I just look, don't respond much. I just look. <sighs> sometimes it's so much so that I just say that I'm not looking anymore ever again. <laughs> and what surfaces every time I see something that I just, my spirit just gets bothered is I want to say in big, bold letters, shout it out to the top of my lungs if I possibly could, through Facebook if I could, through Instagram or whatever other medium. Remember who you are. You belong to Jesus Christ. You are his child. This world is not your home. You're just passing through. So remember who you are. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you this morning, God, for... Your grace, your mercy, your loving kindness. Those words, Father, seem like platitudes right now as so many people are suffering, so many people are hurting, whether it's pandemic-related or storm-related or you know, racial injustice-related or whatever it might be. There's just suffering in this world. And maybe we feel that our voice is something that matters, that we need to somehow speak up and say things. And I get that, Lord. But I'm reminded of who we are. I'm reminded that you call us to not be a part of this world as much, to navigate this world as foreigners, as aliens, knowing that we have an inheritance that's set for us in heaven. You call us to love one another, to be light in a dark world, to be joy where there's, there's unrest and challenge and difficulty, to be peace when it seems like there's no peace, to be dealers in hope, as Jairus says. That's the invitation, Father. And so, Father, will you help us to remember who we are? Will you help us, Father, to remember that we're just passing through and that this world is not our home? And so it could change our hearts. It changes our attitudes towards so many other things out there, that this is not our home. So today, Father, we just simply surrender to you. We submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Um, if you'd like prayer, text 9700, text, text to 9700, just let us know that you're, uh, text Life Church to 9700, and uh, let us know your prayer needs. We'd love to connect with you. God bless you. See you next week. 
But like you said, thank you so much for joining uh, this Sunday and, and being a part of services. Uh, th- just a couple things as we kind of wrap this up. If, if something, if God is speaking to you, working on you right now, I would just encourage you to, to let us know. You can send an email to connect at lifechurchnow.org, and, and that would be the best way for us to do that. Uh, as well as I'd just like to encourage you with this, is that at, at, in this time, um, we are looking to, to help in any way that we can. So if you can donate to our, to our storm relief fund, uh, we would love to have you do that. You can go to our giving page. Uh, and, and give that way, as well as you can also, uh, if you know somebody who's in need of some help right now, let us know. Send us an, an email at connectatlifechurchnow.org, and we'd love to connect with them and help them any way that we can. We love you guys. We can't wait to see you next week.